that you one second um okay so hello everybody good morning today we are marking Yom Hazikaron in Israel so we are going to stop this class in 15 minutes and whoever wants will go to Batalo with a Tehillim and say Tehillim over there for the siren so we're going to give everybody a little bit of chance that doesn't make sense a little bit of chance I'm literally losing my English it's ridiculous we're going to give everybody a chance to get over there with the Tehillim so you're not rushing like a crazy person so I will do the rushing here and I will talk what, and then we're gonna come back afterwards and we're gonna finish class. Yes, because in 15 minutes, we're not actually gonna be able to do very much for this class, believe it or not. So this week's Parsha, we have a double header. It is Parsha's Tazria and Mitzora um, that are that we are learning this week. Uh, it starts from chapter 12 in Chlamishva Yikra. We have a page number, 609. What do you have? 608, 609 in the big blue chamashim. If you have a different chamash, then you have a different page, and I can't help you with that. Okay, what is Parsha? What are they talking about? These these Tazria Mitzvah Parshas that are going together. So it starts off in the beginning of Parshas Tazria, huh? So not so much Nida that's going to come later on, but it's going to start off with a woman who gives birth. Okay, so the woman who Tazria when she gives birth, and she's going to have a male child. We learn three things about this. First of all, in verse three, it tells us hashmini basar that on the eighth day, what do we need to do? Circumcise the baby, right? The, baby, the, the official circumcision is right here in our parsha, And then it goes into different laws concerning. Okay, let me preface for a second. Tazria and Mitzora are going to deal with um, laws of Tum and Tahara, which we've spoken about before, that Tuma, the longer translation for Tuma is inaccessible to holiness, and a longer translation for Tahara is accessible to, to holiness. And we're going to use the Hebrew words because uh, the, the way they're generally translated feels like it has a judgment call, and it's not a judgment call. It's just, are you available to holiness or not? The next thing that the Torah, that the Torah I, I remember to put it in here, because the next thing that the Torah is going to talk about is that after a woman gives birth, she's going to uh, be in a state of Tumah, and she will not be able to go to the temple for 33 days, okay? And if she has a girl, which is in verse five, if, she's in a, if she has a girl, then she will be, uh, she has the first of the the regular hermita period of having given of having uh, you know bodily emission that is blood related. That sounds really terrible, but I don't know how to say it in any other way. I mean, it's it's you know yeah, this is what it is. You had brief birth, and then she's going to have uh, for six uh, for sixty six days. She will have this this. She will be in a state of tuma, and she will not be able to go to. The base Hamikdash. She will not be able to go to the temple or to the tabernacle in order to bring her sacrifices. Okay. Generally speaking, after a woman would give birth in temple times, you would want to give uh, a, a thanks offering. Probably, thank you, God. We all lived through this experience. I know in 2021, it doesn't seem to be like such a big thing to say thank you for, even though it really is. But back in biblical, biblical times, the fact that you would have lived through the experience was definitely. Thanksgiving worthy. Um, and also they say that you should also that the woman probably also have to bring a chatas, a sin offering for anything that she would have said during birth, 
uh, oaths that she would have made or things she would have said that she maybe afterwards would regret. Like, you never can come next to me ever again. Things like that. So yes, you would take, you would also break uh, a guilt, a, 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 a chathas offering that's a, for forgiveness. Yes, Juliana. Um, I was just gonna say that we were told that it was just a No, so. It wasn't, but it wasn't. No, so I'm saying you could. A, thank, a Thanksgiving offering is never, is never mandated. It's, oh, it's, it's, it's always a voluntary thing. I could tell you, you have to atone for something you do. I can't tell you, you have to be grateful. I could foster a sense of gratefulness, but I would definitely, I mean, if I had a chance to bring a, a Thanksgiving offering for having given birth to a live child, I would definitely would jump at the opportunity. Okay. And then it talks about what kind of, what kind of sacrifice she would bring. And then she would become, and then she would become Tahora. Now we spoke about this also a little bit, but I do want to mention again that except for Kohanim, Regular people do not have an obligation to live in a state of tahara. They do not. Yes, so I don't like using purity and impurity because it always feels like a judgment call. But tahara means can I access access? Can I access holiness? Can I come? So a kohen who has to work in the temple or the tabernacle or in, te in temple times eat gifts that are given to them by other Jews, which is going to happen even if you're not in the temple, right? The challah and blah, 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 all those gifts that they get can only be done in a state of tahara. So Kohanim actually have a mandate to always stay in a state of tahara. Regular people did not have that obligation. There were people who always tried to uh, stay in a state of tahara so that they were very careful about what they ate because if something was handled by somebody who was in a state of tumah, that would transfer to the food and blah, blah, blah. Now, all of this to us sounds like almost as weird as Kaparis. <laughs> huh? Like, after giving also, birth to a child, you're like, it's, that's a lot of work. Well you, well, you don't have to bring it right away at that point, but you couldn't bring it before then. Like, Which part is a lot of work? Giving birth is so much work, and if you can get baby, it's so much work. Correct. What other things do you have to do? Yes, you you know what there's no. So the sat the all they're saying about the sacrifices is that you can't bring them before a certain time. You don't have in general. It's just interesting to note because when the temple is rebuilt and we're going to need to know this information. Whenever you have um, a sacrifice ob sacrifice obligations, you have a year to fulfill your obligation. You have a you have the full cycle of the shalosh galim of the three festivals. So it's not like, oh my gosh, I have a tiny baby who isn't sleeping through the night. I have to go to Jerusalem. I can cry. No, you have to, you, you have a year really to fulfill your obligations. But the point that Torah is making is that you can't do it before. That this person cannot bring a sacrifice before. What do you mean? Like one hat is for different things. Yeah. Like so I don't know which can and can't be combined. Um, I would imagine. Um, you can make one trip to Jerusalem. Yes, you can make one trip to Jerusalem and bring 10 animals or yeah. buy them in Jerusalem. You don't have to schlep your animals with you. Yes, you don't have to make a separate trip for each sacrifice that you want to bring, which is why the the, the Shalash Regalim, those times when people came, it was really all hands on deck. They needed everybody, all the Kohanim to be working because everybody was coming. Like it was, you know, to us today, travel is such an easy thing. We don't think of it in terms of how hard it would have been to come from Tzfat to Jerusalem where there are no roads. You know, like, it's not just like an annoying 
four hour bus ride in traffic. It's a longer trip. And when you're in agricultural society, taking that much time in agricultural times is like a little bit complicated. So yeah, so people would, would, would sort of definitely combine uh, bringing sacrifices. I don't know which sacrifices you could combine. I would guess, I'm 100% making this up. You do not have to like agree with me. I would guess that a chata sacrifice, a sin offering that you're gonna bring, you could not combine. But a, a thank you offering, you probably could combine. Like that would be my my sense of the situation, but that's not actually based on anything except my, my common sense, which, you know, either it is or it isn't. So that's so that's that, okay? And then we go into uh, chapter 13, opens up with a conversation about uh, what's, what's called saras, okay? Saras is very poorly translated as Leprosy. Okay. The, the, the reason that Saras is not leprosy um, is because leprosy isn't actually very super contagious uh, skin disease. And Saras is not that. Um, and interesting factoid in Jerusalem, there is there was a leper colony and it was close to where we used to be. And like in Katamon over there, and we would walk by and it's like these, it has these like big walls and it looks really like something out of like a like a bad book. It has like, you know, overgrown vines over the tops of the things. And it, it was a leper colony that was actually active till I wouldn't say very recently, but in the last, you know, even as even even in, in the years of the state, it was I think people who had leprosy, they would kind of put them there, they would put them all together and let them all, you know, stay there and infect each other. It's a museum? Yeah, an art museum. Cool. That's one way to transfer it. That's so sad. There, you know, life before penicillin and basic yeah. uh, medical knowledge was very sad. You can build up what? You can build up I don't. I don't. Hear in 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 um. Leper in what? No, 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 no. Leper colonies in first world countries. You don't really hear about it. Yeah. So I mean, not worldwide. So I'm it's saying world. I don't like, think. I don't think. I don't think it's an eradicated. I think it's still extremely contagious. Yeah, at least like in the United States, like when you do the leprechaun, it's all like the matching Right, so, right, right. Um, so, 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 um, so basically, uh, it talks with it, the Torah starts and talks about what ha happens if Adam Kiyeb or Becero, a person who has on their skin, and I would venture to say that your Chumash does not translate those words. Am I right? Does it translate those words? Chapter 13, verse 2. Yeah. Right? It doesn't translate that, right? Anytime you have a word like, I have no idea what that is. It's a transliteration. So, so, right? So, it's, right. So, they're not actually going to translate them because they're basically shades of white that we don't really know. The Rambam translates them as the brightest being white as snow and the, the dullest version being like egg white. And so, if you've ever, anybody here ever bought white paint? Yeah. Or look at white paint samples. <laughs> she was like, "Yes." Uh, how many? How many options of white paint are there? Pages and pages, right? There's a lot. So, 
Right. So I'm just saying, like, when you say white, you like, it's not one color. So Tyra here is highlighting four different colors. One, they say, is the Rambam says is comparable to snow, snow white. Um, uh, one is like clean sheep's wool. I forgot what the third one is. And the, the dullest color is like egg white. Um, and, and, the, and the conversation is what happens if a person has some kind of random, clearly looks like a dead, dead patch of, of skin, versions of white. We know that white is usually not a healthy skin color. You know, we're not talking about pink white. We're talking about like those what shades of white are not considered healthy colors. And then what happens with it? And um, and so and so he's, and so he's saying it's a and he brought to Aaron Hakohen. Oh, He's brought to Aaron, and the Kohen is going to see the nega. He's going to see this. Um, he's going to see this affliction on his skin. And he's going to check, and he's going to see. He's going to check it out, and then the Kohen is going to see it, and he's going to tame. Oh, so he's going to make him impure. Um, he's going to make him tame. Now, the Torah is going to continue and discuss at great length different versions of this affliction, um, and then, as Sylvie pointed out, it will talk about uh, you could get such an affliction on clothing, natural natural uh, materials. So you could get it on clothing made of linen or wool or cotton or leather. Obviously polyester and synthetics were not like Torah, Torah fabric. So they don't, they isn't there, but it's talking about live, like things that are kind of, you know, based on live um, uh, materials. They aren't, they aren't alive. I know your cotton is not alive, but it comes from a, a, a living growing source. So it, you could get some version, not the exact same, but you could get some version of tzarat on your, on your clothing. And as Sylvie pointed out also, it could also have something that shows up on the walls of your house, on the stone walls of your house. You could in fact have tzarat. Okay, now I don't wanna get into this. I wanna pause, okay? I wanna pause for a second here. Can I do this? Back to Parsha, it's like a little bit of a shift now, like we come back into, into Parsha. So, so I wanna talk about a few things. First of all, uh, I wanna just look, go back to, the, go back to the, the beginning, chapter 13, verse two, and it tells us, Adam and then it has eight and all those words that they're not translating, right? What do we know about the word Adam, which means a person? Not as Adam, but as a person. Anybody? What kind of Yes, so we have a few words that are used to describe a person. Adam, Ish, Enosh, Gefer. And Adam is, I think everyone and I don't know. Adam is one of the like very high names. When you talk about someone who's an Adam, you're talking about somebody who is an elevated person. They're like, they're not like a slouch someplace. They're like an Adam. They're like a person of steps of substance. And so now we say, wait a second, somebody who's an Adam is going to get a, you're going to get, you're going to get, you're going to get this type of affliction. So two things I want to say, first of all, that's the only kind of person who can possibly get this right. 
you know, we all know people who are allergic to certain things. You know, if you eat, as a random example, wheat, you're going to get a reaction to it, right? Somebody who is not sensitive to it will not get a reaction. Here we have Adam, somebody who is a spiritually sensitive person, is going to have a reaction to the sin that will cause Sarah. Okay. Um, so that's one thing that I want to I want to point out. And the other thing that I want to point out is that it's Baorbisaro. It's only um, it's skin deep, you know. It's very often like in with a, a modern medical situation. If you have something showing up on your skin, your dermatologist will tell you that it's a reflection or could be something, you know, your holistic practitioner, probably more than your dermatologist, will tell you that it's you know, your stress or your, you know, all of us know about this. You haven't slept. You're, there's some other in, internal thing that's happening that's coming out. That's not the story with Surat. Surat is something that it's only on the surface. It's something that isn't a deep issue. It's something that for this person is really only surface, but at the same time, because they're a spiritually sensitive person, it's going to show up on their, um, it's going to show up and it's going to have an impact on them. And the question that we want to know, and sages ask, well, what kind of things cause saras? Okay, so anybody know what's the number one answer given to what causes saras? Lashon hara, right? Lashon hara is the actual number one uh, answer given. There is also other answers given. You wouldn't expect us to have only one answer. What you know, what causes something? Only one answer. No, is it a place of stinginess? Is it a place of arrogance? Is it a place of of um, there's a whole bunch of things. The Gemara gives like a list of five or six or eight things that I don't remember exactly. Um, so, you know, like from. Yes and no, maybe, but not, but like, I'm not talking about the, um, like. You know, it's so funny because like if you look at what is like our one of I don't know if it still is, and I'm definitely dating myself, but what's one of the that you, know, you bring for Saras is you're doing or you that's your place of atonement that's gonna be coming through birds. So it's like when we think of Lashanhara, forget about the stinginess and the arrogance and everything else as outgrowths of, of there's there's then as outgrowths of Lashanhara, you could also be arrogant and not talk Lashanhara, right? But the we unfortunately are not spiritually sensitive people who will have an outbreak on us if we speak Lashon Hara. Like, unfortunately, that's just not where we are spiritually. Um, so the first thing that I want to say is that the person, it's not something that we have today. It's, it's uh, you know, if it is, we'd all be walking around very, very white. Um, <laughs> right? Whiter than you, like, like dead skin white, like not just white girl white. Um, uh, and um, so the first thing is that we're not, there's a place that we're really not spiritually sensitive enough to get it. So that's, you know, a plus and a minus that we don't have it. The other thing that's very interesting is, um, and they talk about it a lot in Hasidus, is that you need to have a Kohen to call it Saras. The Kohen has to actually make a person Tameh. And what's interesting, what's very, very interesting that the Talmud points out, that in verse three, it says that the Kohen sees the, the nega and he, he sees that it's deep and da, 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 all the, the things and the Kohen sees him and he, it, he makes him impure. So the, so the Talmud says, why do you need to have 
CC. He sees the thing. He sees the, the lesion or whatever. That's a good word. Lesion is a nice word. He sees the lesion. He sees that it's, it's Saras. And then he sees him and then he makes him impure. Okay, makes him tame. So the Kumar is like, what? What's, what's the extra language? You hear, what, you hear where the extra language question is coming in? So the Talmud tells us that Saras is not a medical condition. So therefore, we need to look at the person in their real life and say, do I have to look at this? Does the Kohen, as soon as the Kohen sees it and he has to call it, do I have to look? And the Talmud tells us we don't look at lesions at different times. So for example, if Olaregel, people come for Pesach to the Besamikdash, the Kohen does not see. I think it's I think it's Saras. My neighbor who's an expert is sure it's Saras. The Kohen does not have to look. He can say, sorry, out for, you know, I'm out celebrating with my family. We're on a Halamai trip. Come to us after Hag. We do not have to start the process with this person now. Um, you can do it, he can do it afterwards. The same thing. Till 1130. Okay. Thank you. And he also, the Talmud tells us that in the, a, a couple that just got married, let's say a couple got married and one of them come out with symptoms of Saras, the Kohen does not look at the bride or the Greek or the groom for the entire, whoever obviously has it, for the entire week of Shevard Brachot. We do not interfere with their simcha for this. She can get married. Yeah, yeah. Let's say, they're saying, what if it came out right after they got married? They do not. If it came out on her or on him, the Kohen does not look at them during Shabbat Brachot. Now, if this was a medical condition, right, you can't say, oh, well, just let this person walk around the temple, you know, while every, like, thousands of people are there. It's not a medical condition. It is not a contagious condition. It is a spiritual, sorry, it is a physical manifestation of a spiritual issue. And so, therefore, it's not contagious. If the person in that time will do any kind of inner work, that it could be that it will go away. But we do not say that at this time, in the middle of your Sheva Brachot, you're here for the holidays, we're gonna put you into isolation because how do we, what's the first step for Tsaras? We isolate the person. And we isolate them so much, you know, they don't have leper colonies. They're not allowed, obviously they're not allowed to come into the temple, obviously. They're also, if you remember in the camp in, in the, in the or the tabernacle around the tabernacle was the camp of the Levites, and around it was the camp of the Israelites, which in Israel is comparable to being the, the base Hamikdash, the temple, Jerusalem, and out of Jerusalem. And the leper, the sorry, not the leper, the Mitzora, the person of Sarat, has to go out of all of those camps. He can, obviously can't come to the temple or the tabernacle, but he also can't go to the camp of the Levites, he can't go to the camp of the Israelites. He can't sit with other mitzorim. He cannot, he cannot sit with other people who have tzaras. He has to be badajeshed. He sits by himself, no Wi-Fi, no phone. And he has to really introspect and say, wait a second, where did I go wrong? And the Kohen comes after a week, checks it again, and sees, has it spread, has it developed? Can we now call it as tzaras? Like if it's a question, then the person goes into isolation for a week, checks it after another week, checks it possibly after a third week. If it actually develops into Tzara, 
then he has to go through the purification process and it might clear up and it might stop by itself. I mean, because it's a physical manifestation of a spiritual thing, if I change my spiritual makeup, if I sit by myself and I listen and I say, wait a second, I was out of line. I was, I did the wrong thing. I made a mistake, blah, blah, blah. Then it, it could change because that's the point of the whole, that's the whole point of and you should change. And, and, uh, and, and Hasidus highlights the fact that there's a Kohen that starts this pure, this, well, the, the Tuma process, because that will start the purification process, um, because the Kohen in, in the Chumash is called Isha Chesed. The Bracha Talevi is Tumecha Borechel Ish Chasidecha. My breastplate and my, my garments were given to the person of, of Chesed, who's kindness. Before I can tell somebody, you can't be part of this people. You have to sit away from everybody, isolated from everybody, on your own, by yourself, with nobody around you. I have to really be careful and say, is this coming from a place of chesed? Is this coming from a place of trying to help? Or is this coming from like my anger issues or my control issues or my things? So for the coin over there, we don't have sarasya, but for all of us today, when we look at another person and we want to say, you don't belong, you don't fit in. We ask ourselves, where is that coming from? Is it before we you know, want to rip a person down? Uh, we never do. I know we all just love everybody. We never want to say nasty things about anybody. We don't inadvertently, you know, but let's say, let's say we sometimes do. Is it really, are we saying this to somebody because we want to help them or because because our main streak is getting is getting the better of us. So then that's that's a different conversation that's going on over here. Um, Juliana, did you have a question? I didn't get you. Um, yeah, I was just going to ask, like, how long is normally safe, or like if it's internal, then? Like, what do you? If Sarah is a reflection of what's going on internally, then does it? It changes. So like if you don't change, it's just going to be forever and then you do the incredibly. Well, well, I'll tell you what the thing is. You know, I think most of us, we don't make changes that we know we need to make because we aren't paying attention. We're distracting ourselves with other things and therefore we convince ourselves that this issue isn't really an issue. It's not so bad. It's not such a big thing. The Cohen says to this person, dude, you have issues that you need to deal with and you're going to be by yourself until you figure it out. And I'm going to come back. Here's your space. You know, we'll, we'll get you some food. We'll get you whatever you need, but you're there for a week by yourself. You can't talk to anybody. You, you, you can't distract yourself with all the things that we normally distract ourselves with. So you're, you know, how stubborn are we going to really be and not face our issues? So the truth is the coin comes back after a week. It either has gotten worse, so that means I've accepted, I'm moving, I'm uh, working on the process of purification, or I'm still holding on to it, and you get, you you get, you know, kind of shut up for another week, and then I think it can even go to three weeks, and I think really, I don't know that this is something that would go on, and so wouldn't you couldn't just live with the issue because. You have nothing else to distract you. You can't just say like, oh, I'll just you know go party. I'll just go da 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 da. da. It's a very in your kind of kind of situation that's happening um and the other thing and i want to kind of tap into like what what uh, sylvie brought up is that that saras and the torah tells us saras in the forms of like a person and then a, then clothing and then house 
So uh, when a house gets saras, there are two possible answers. One is when the people, when the Jewish people came to the land of Canaan, as it was then called, um, Hashem put a lot of, uh, a lot of the houses ended up having saras on them. And they when they moved in, they found this saras. So they had to, the way you deal with saras in a house is that you have to take off the stones that are contaminate, contaminated, move them out of the city, and clean the space and wait and then come back, right? Why wouldn't they just like knock them? What's that? Because it's not so easy. It's, it's, you know, to us, it's like everything's very, very, you know, put up some sheetrock and it's going to be fine. When you have a house that's built of stone in one corner, not that any of us would know about like a corner that might have mold or something, right? <laughs> you know, you don't want to knock down a whole house because of one little corner. So, so Rashi says that the Canaanites um, had hidden treasures in their walls. And so when the houses got saras and they opened up the stones to remove the, the, the contaminated stones, they found these incredible treasures that the Canaanites had hidden in the walls, assuming, oh, the Jews are going to come, they'll, they'll come and go, and then we'll come back and we'll get our stuff again. Um, and then they were, they were exposed to these treasures. That was like a one-shot deal, um, which parenthetically is interesting because in talked about the idea like the, the place of coming into a place of not holiness right, of not Kedusha, sometimes it's just enough for us to move in, to bring holiness in, to put a mezuzah on the door, to bring Shabbos into the house. And that's enough to Kedusha space, Kedusha space. Sometimes it's a much deeper. Are in this it takes it takes a stronger kind of person or personality to deal with a stronger form of not holiness because that not holiness would be manifest as saras on the walls, and then it's a longer, more involved process. It's not just taking the things out, but actually doing the avodah to to correct it, and then you have a bigger reward for it. But that was like a one. Did that make any sense when it came out of my mouth? It totally made sense in my in my head. Yeah. Okay. And that was one thing. But that was, Rashi says, was a one-shot deal. The Jews come into the land of Canaan, that that was like a gift given to the people. But in general, when Taras happened, you would first have it happen to the walls of the house. It first came on the house. And what happens when something happens on the walls of the house? Everybody who lives in the house has a chance now to say, maybe I need to look into my behavior a little bit. Maybe I need to see how I'm acting. Right, but we also have the ability to say, "No, my problem. Look how many of us live in one house. It's not my issue." Um, and what would happen then was that the Kohen would, if they thought there was saras, they would actually take all their things out of the house because anything that was in the house when the Kohen called it tamei would become tamei. So that's why the Talmud said that it was a punishment for stinginess because, like, oh, you your neighbor's like, "Oh, can I borrow?" Blah blah. And you're like, "Oh, I don't have any." And then all of a sudden, it's out there in the front lawn for everybody to see. Oh, right, you didn't have it. Right, right. So, so the first thing is like, can we blame it on everybody? Now, what happens if nobody gets the message? Then the next place that Saras is going to show up is on clothing. Now, clothing is already a little bit more personal. This is my stuff, but you borrowed it, and it's you know somebody else could have used it, and that still gives the person the chance to disown the their, their issue. You know, it's not my thing. It's really yes, yes, it's my sweater, but you know. Everybody in the house has worn this sweater at one point or another, and who says it's my issue? Once it comes to your skin, it's like, 
this is your issue. You really need to deal with this. You can't just evade responsibility. You have to really see how do I become a better person? That's the point. The whole point is that we should become, we should take learning cues and we should become better people because of them. And that's really what the, the, the whole Tazriya Mitzvah process is. It's talking about coming, about facing things that are uncomfortable at best and things that we're doing not so good, you know, and to be able to say, can I do better? I am capable of doing better. Do I want to do better? And the, the place of the Kohen of being this coming from a place of chesed is that you, you are, we are aided to become better by somebody who really has our best interests at heart. There's a lot more, guess what? Shocking enough, but we are in fact out of time. So I want to give us a bracha that we look at ourselves honestly, but with love and be able to say, what is it that I need to treat, to tweak? What is it that I need to, I don't need to go into isolation in order to fix my situation, but what is it that I want to use the power of a Kohen and love to look at myself and be able to have something get a little bit better. Have an awesome rest of the day. Um, and we should, I also this learning was in memory of all, you know, for Yomazikron, it was in memory of everybody. And whoever lives, and unfortunately, sometimes many people died for Eretz Yisrael, should, their neshamas should have an aliyah. They should be blessed with only good for them, for their families, and for all of us who 